Should you take that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Allie Grant. And I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by B Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week. If your full-time job is working in the influencer marketing space, just take everything you've learned and figure out how can you provide value to creators. And I'm a huge fan of start your side hustle first. Get your feet wet, see if you like it, see if it's something that you want to do. Because if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then you're going to burn out and you're going to hate it. And then you're going to be like, why did I do this? Hey guys, welcome back to Follow Me. Allie here and Jess. All right, let's get into it. Jess, who are you following this week on the internet? (laughs) It's very niche. I want to see if you follow him at Octopus Lover 8 on TikTok. Have you seen his videos? No, I have never even heard of that. Is it about octopuses? Octopuses? (laughs) Is that what you said? Octopi? (laughs) Ew, I don't like this word already. Okay, so what does he do? Okay. So he was just like a random creator. He looks like he's like 22 or something. A random creator that does like comedy sketches, but hilarious, super niche comedy videos. And Natalie and I, Natalie is our coworker here at Social. We bonded because we both were obsessed with him. He only had like 25,000 followers when we were talking about it. Now, within a couple of days, He's at uh-huh. 707,000 followers. No, 25,000 to 700,000 in days? In days. In days. No. In days. Okay, yeah. I have to look him up. Octopus 8 or what is it? Octopus Lover 8. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you this is the funniest man on TikTok, trust me when I say this. Everyone, please do yourself a favor on this wonderful Friday, which we're recording right now. And yeah. please go look at his videos. I was crying laughing for hours. And now his videos get like millions of views. Okay. Well, should we rep him? Like, do we reach out to him? What's the plan? So the conversation was, is he too niche for representation? But my argument is that this rising star (laughs) is similar to profiles like Elise Myers, who did that story time about Taco Bell, who like suddenly blew up and now she's like a household name. Or like Benny Drama, He's also a comedian that's very, very niche and does like Kardashian Mm -hmm. personalities. Very niche, but now is like a household name. So I think niche talent, if you really believe in them and you see a star quality, which I do with Jake, his name is Jake Shanae. Mm -hmm. I think we rep him. I think you go. Okay, well, let's maybe by next week, he'll be one of your talent and you'll be doing really cool deals with him. But I'll I'll check him out. (laughs) I I think that's a good lover eight. (laughs) <laughs> the name. There has to be a backstory there that I really want to know. So he raised octopus dishes. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. It's, I, you have to that. I know you won't, but maybe you will. Well, I feel like it's a good segue into our guest this week, who is a talent manager. And I wish we recorded this before we chatted with her because we could have talked to her about Octopus 18. Octopus Lover 18, sorry. But anyways, this episode is awesome. I think keep listening if you are dabbling into or interested in being a talent manager in the industry or you work in influencer marketing. We really unpack the 101 on how to become a talent manager, what skill sets you need, what you do day to day. 
I just love what Pam says. So Pamela Zapata founded Society 18, a bi-coastal influencer management and consulting agency with a focus on multicultural and multi-ethnic content creators. Zapata leverages her unique strategic insight to maximize sponsorships and optimize campaign performance to benefit both her clients and brands. Prior to launching Society 18, Zapata was the senior director of influencer marketing at Star Power where she oversaw multiple campaign and influencer casting initiatives for key beauty brands like Estee Lauder, Bobby Brown, Mac, Becca, and La Mer. She was responsible for campaign ideation through concept execution while overseeing strategy, client management, and talent relations. Oh my gosh, that was a mouthful. Anyways, she's really smart. She does a lot. Let's get into this episode. So this episode, we're going to treat a little bit different. We have Pam here from Society 18, and we are going to chat through how you become a talent manager in the digital space. I feel like everyone asks me that, and I feel like you're the perfect person to tell your story. So let's start from like the very, very beginning. Did you go to college? What did that look like? And what did you study? Yes. So I went to Emerson College. I studied uh, broadcast journalism with a minor in marketing, PR, and advertising. I thought I wanted to be a host. And I'm oh, like a TV host? Yeah. Like that was my dream. And entertainment. I wanted to be Ryan Seacrest. Oh. Like, I, I was like, to be a newscaster. I wanted to do all of it. Same but then thing. the news is like so depressing. And I realized yeah. that after my internships, I was like, wow, this is like really dark. I was like, let's do entertainment. Let's not do news because it's heavy. And I moved to LA and I started kind of doing hosting stuff on the weekends. And I realized that I was like hating it. Okay. And then I interned actually, when I moved out to LA, I did the LA program. Emerson College has an LA program. So my last semester I did in LA and I interned at Disney Channel and Casting, Internet E-News in their news department, and then Univision in their social media, just because I was like, I need to just mm. do everything. I mean, East Coasters are just like, we're, I know we're like, we're <laughs> different. Hats. We just, we're built different. I did eight internships in college. I was, no. yeah. I'm I mean, like so weak. I'm from from San Diego. I can, like, I can do nothing. <laughs> do we have any San Diego listeners that can yeah, attest to like, so I think the West Coast vibe is just different. Like, yeah. guys are just super laid back. And mm-hmm. I think that I loved that because I was such a workaholic and it made me slow down, which yeah. I really appreciated, which is why I was here for like 10 years. Anyway, so I realized that I loved behind the scenes. I loved finding talent and I loved working with talent and helping like show their stories. So after my internships, I ended up working at Ryan Seacrest Productions, which was like- Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and development. So I assisted the head of like development and production. And so it was just like finding TV shows and formatted shows and they wanted to find the new Kardashians family. So it was a lot of like casting for that. And so that was fun. Loved it. I was there for about a year and a half. And then I wanted to work in production and kind of be in the field and see what that looked like. So I worked as a PA, which is, you know, if anyone's done, it's very humbling. You know, what is a a PA? Production assistant. Okay. So basically you're just everyone's, Bitch. bitch. Okay. Yeah. You can yeah. Okay. Great. I was like, I it's a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero filter. So yeah. So you're like basically everyone's bitch. So whether okay. they need like lunch or if the van needs to be cleaned or someone needs to be driven somewhere or you have to like give someone a back massage. Like it's basically whatever they need. Okay. Which yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Ryan Seacrest? No. 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 Not Breaking Ryan. <laughs> this was like on the production side. Okay. So like, but it wasn't like no. It was different. But yeah. In that role, like as a PA, you would move up in yeah. the company and be what. I guess. So like an associate producer or like a line producer. So basically that's like the production route. 
if that's what you want to do. From there, I I was interested in casting. So I was like PAing and also working as a casting assistant. And I was casting for Shots of Sunset, which I don't know if you've seen it. It's like Persians in LA. And my job was literally to go out in LA and find Persians, which I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. How'd you do that? Like, what is it? It was just going to the clubs and the bars and restaurants. (laughs) And you're like, here's my car. I was just like, hi, I'm Pam. I'm working in casting. Like, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. And I ended up finding, I don't know if you know Lily Galici. Yes. I don't watch the love show. Lily Galici. Yeah. She's a huge, Lily's like, la- yeah. Lily's lashes. Mm-hmm. I actually got her through a friend, my trainer, who knew her because of some reason. And so I pitched her to my boss and my boss pitched her to Bravo. They loved her. They put her on the show for like two or three seasons. And then she blew up from there. Mm. And then from that experience, I was like, all right, I love working with talent. I don't necessarily want to be in front of the camera, but I love to give people the opportunity to like showcase their story and tell their, you know, their background and their journey. So from there, I went to work at E because I wanted to go back to like the buying side because on the production side, the selling side. And I was like, okay, what does the other end look like? So I worked at E for about four years. I started in program planning and acquisitions, which was like interesting. And then I also made my way into casting. And so we were casting for all of the life from the red carpet, all of the news shows, digital series, scripted Mm -hmm. series, unscripted series, everything. So we essentially handled casting for, at the time it was Esquire and... I think style might have been kind of fizzling out, but we essentially handled casting for everyone. And that was around the time that influencers started to kind of make their, yeah. And so instead of looking for traditional talent, we were looking for influencers for hosting opportunities and digital series. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Like this is a shift that we haven't seen before. I want to learn more. So from there, I went to Style Hall for a couple months and worked in management. I mean, kind of and what is Style one. Hall for people who don't understand? So it was an MCN. It's no longer in business anymore, but essentially they helped manage creators and their YouTube channels, help with like optimization. And then also they had a management arm, so talent management arm. So I worked on Melrose and Park, which was like their talent management arm. So we oversaw a roster of like I think it was like 15 to 20 creators. And so essentially pitching them for brand deals, similar to what I do now. And that's where like the seed planted of, oh, I could probably do something like this in this space. From there, I went to this company called Sweetie High, which was like a Gen Z digital platform. And we did a lot of stuff with Musical.ly before it became Mm. TikTok. If you remember Mm Musical.ly, it was basically the same thing. And then I handled all of the casting. So hosts, casting for marketing initiatives, casting for any online editorial, everything. So from there, I realized there was a lot of like Gen Z influencers that just didn't really understand how to navigate the space. Or didn't understand what to do. Yeah. And they had momagers who were managing their deals who Mm. also didn't really understand and how much money they could be making with millions of followers. And I was like, all right, there's something here. And then I went through a breakup and I, instead of cutting my hair, I moved to New York and (laughs) as one does. Yeah. I was like, either cut my hair, move to the West side or like move to New York. So I moved to New York. (laughs) How is your hair short? Cause you've got really curly hair like me. It's just, I not. I always think about about cutting my hair short that I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. It's a lot of upkeep. It looks great if you take care of it, but I just, I can't be bothered. I'm lazy. Just curious. But it was cute for like a second and then I was over it. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So I, but I moved to New York, worked at an agency called UEG, uh, United Entertainment Group. Yep. We work with them all the time. All the time. We work with them now. Yeah. And so it was overseeing the Unilever account. So Suave, Tresemme, Dove, handling casting, negotiations, execution. So that was your main client. And where's Unilever based out of? Unilever right? No, I think they're, I think they might be in Jersey. We would have a lot of client meetings in Jersey. 
but I don't know if all of their offices were there, if it was just the, the accounts that we were on. But yeah, so, but UEG, who just handled the Unilever business, was based in in, this, in New York. And you were given what, like, what were the budgets like that Unilever was So, spending? like, my first campaign was, like, a half a million dollar budget. Were you and like, they're oh like, my and it was, like, my first budget. <laughs> I was like, cool. (laughs) So I was like, I can just cast anyone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, no, we need approvals. So essentially they gave me a budget and you know, it it varies. Every agency functions a little differently. So sometimes, sometimes they'll have a budget and they'll say, Hey, put together a strategy. How do we divvy this up between different influencer tiers? What does it look like? Do we do mega micro mid tier? How many deliverables? What does the scope look like? Or sometimes they're like, Hey, put a whole strategy together. Let us know how it's going to work. Or sometimes they're like, this is who we want. Just cast and execute. So in that specific scenario, they just wanted like 30 creators and we could kind of divvy it up however we wanted 30 to 35. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. We put together, you know, prototypes of like, this is what each tier would look like. We get approval, we casted it out, negotiated, executed, all that fun stuff. And that was my first like massive campaign. And then through that, I mean, we reached out to like so many creators and I was getting rates back. And that's kind of where like things started to kind of settle for me where I was realizing that there was a lot of creators, you know, that had management and representation that were coming in with high rates and then creators of color who were coming in way lower, who were self-representing and mm. didn't have management, had no idea what they were doing. And I was like, there's so much money being left on the table here because one, like they don't know what they could be charging for these scopes of work. They don't want to mm-hmm. negotiate and lose the deal. They just want a partner. And then there's not a lot of management companies that were looking to pick up super diverse talent. And so I was like, there's an opportunity here. I wasn't ready to like quit. Yeah. I was kind of like, let me just get my feet wet. I just got this job. I need to just chill. And you were also (laughs) seeing this from like a third party perspective. You were seeing it from the brand's perspective, but you were also seeing the influencers who you saw were Mm -hmm. being represented or the rates were very different and it varied and it's across the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. What year was this? This was 2018. And so I was at UEG for almost a year. And then I went to an agency called Star Power and I was overseeing uh, the Estee Lauder business. So Becca, Aveda, Origins, Too Faced, Mac, all of these beauty brands. So I went from like personal care to beauty, which was great for me just to understand like the strategy involved between like, you know, selling like a $12 shampoo and selling like a $40 foundation. So with that, it's more educational, YouTube tutorials, things like that. So that was just really good insight for me to know because now we implement a lot of the things that I learned there into our strategy with the creators where we're like Make sure you're doing beauty tutorials if you want to work with beauty brands, which you would think is pretty like basic strategy. But a lot of creators are like, oh, I didn't think about that. Mm. Like, well, I think that's what's important about talent management and like your background. You touch so many elements of production, of casting, of being on the brand side, of being at an agency, and you take all that to your talent right now. And that's a yeah. huge, huge benefit and a huge yeah. educational factor. And I was, it was so worried that I wasn't going to be able to provide value because I'm like, I haven't really, I did a little bit of talent management, but I hadn't really managed talent. So I was like, is anyone going to want to work with me? Like, what do I know? Little did I know that insight was super valuable because I was like, no, this is what you need to do. Mm. And from there, it kind of the seed was growing. Mm-hmm. So you went from UEG to star power. I mm-hmm. feel like maybe people listening, it's like, maybe they have a role as like an influencer director at an agency or mm-hmm. whatnot. They're getting poached by another agency in the same space. Is there a big difference when you jump from agency to agency and like culture and vibe or like I just feel like a lot of these agencies are like the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's similar, but different. I think 
I was approached by a recruiter when I went from UEG to Star Power and they made me like an offer and I was like, I couldn't. And I really wanted to work in the beauty space. Mm -hmm. And I think the offer was solid. The opportunity was great. The essay business obviously is amazing. And I really loved the team when I was interviewing. So I was like, I feel really good about it. It was very, a lot smaller than UEG. It was just very different. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because agency life in New York is no joke. So it's like the devil, you know, or the devil, you don't know. So I'm like, all right, well, I have pretty good work-life balance here. I mean, obviously I'm working crazy hours because it's just, that's just normal. And I'm a workaholic, so it's hard to like get rid of that. But I just was like, let me just take a chance and just try this. I knew eventually I wanted to start my own business, but I was like, I just want to get this experience before I go because I feel like it'll be really valuable. So I went from director to senior director when I went to Star Power. And I was there for a couple months and then even started seeing more of the same thing that I saw UEG was with the creators coming in with super low rates, not reading contracts, signing away all their rights. And they, bless their souls, they didn't know. So it's it, it was just, you know, I wanted to do something a little more purposeful. I wanted to help these women, especially women of color, women that look like me, make what they deserve to be making, especially knowing what the industry averages were. I was like this there's a lot of money being left on the table and I want to help these women. Mm -hmm. Because also we also know what it's like to get underpaid, especially as women. Yeah. And negotiating your salary has always been hard. And even myself, negotiating my salary is always one of the hardest things you ever have to do, especially when you're negotiating with your boss. Or when there's an HR person, it's kind of a nice buffer. But if you're negotiating with your boss, it's always uncomfortable. So I just wanted to be that buffer between the talent and the brand and the agencies. And so after a couple of months, I like... Just, I don't know if you believe in God or the universe, but I hit the I hit a wall and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I like need to start working with talent. My heart's not in it in this capacity. Like I need to do something a little more. And if I'm going to be working these crazy hours, like I'd rather be doing something for myself. And so I remember I like walked into my CEO's office. I was crying. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm doing you a disservice because my heart's not in it. Mm. And now if anyone were to, in my team would approach me that way, I would be so grateful because you don't want someone that's not in it. Right. Especially if you're working crazy hours. And yeah. at an agency, you're wearing so many different hats. Even if you are in a specific division or you have a specific role, either way, they yeah. are small, the team, you're going to be wearing multiple hats for yeah. those people. So let us know what your CEO said. Did, were they, was he supportive? So yeah, no, he was like, well, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want you to be here if you don't want to be here. And I was like, yeah, I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And I felt really bad. And I feel like, you know, we always feel bad when we let in disappointing people. Mm -hmm. I came from another agency. They were really help, really wanted me to spearhead this piece of the business. And I was just, I was like, my heart's not in it. So the next day I brought in like my computer, I did my offboarding. And oh, that like you day, were out the out, next day. Out. And then that night I literally went on legal zoom and incorporated. And was like, this is what we're doing. And I started. No. <laughs> yeah. I had been working on that, like on the side, consulting creators and yeah. helping them kind of like negotiate deals just to, because I was like, let me see if this is something I could actually do. So I had started like maybe three or four months prior, just consulting. And all of those just came through people that reached out to me on LinkedIn and referral. Like I wasn't even really reaching out to talent. And I was like, all right, well, I have these four, three girls that I was consulting. Maybe if I double or triple, I can like maybe make some good money and pay my rent. Right. Let's see. And so I quit and then things just kind of snowballed. I ended up getting like two more clients and then I actually had time to pitch so I could actually bring them deals. And then their revenue grew. And so I started with like six clients for the first six months. 
And then within those first six months, I was able to hit like a six figure salary. Whoa. For yourself, for myself. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, great. I can pay my rent. This is great. I love this. Look at the (laughs) universe. And you're working for yourself. And I'm working for myself, which is so liberating. And then I like was in New York and then I came back to LA and I was like, I can work from anywhere. This is my business. Yeah. And then it just kind of snowballed. And I'm so grateful I started when I did because that was 2019, June of 2019. And then 2020 COVID hit. And I would never, like who's quitting their job and starting a business? Like nobody. Everyone's like job security. Let's play it safe. Let's not like ruffle any feathers. I just need my paycheck. And so I'm glad I started when I did because although we saw like an initial people pulling budgets, so deals fell through couple months after it just exploded because everyone's, you know, consumer behavior shifted. Everyone's on their phone, on their computers, TikTok blew up. And so all these budgets are being put towards like digital and social assets, using influencers to create content because studios are closed. You can't have production crews. Like it was like a whole thing. And then shortly thereafter, BLM happened, the Black Lives Matter movement. And obviously our diverse roster was like, one that people were like, oh, let's, let's you know, gear towards them. Yeah. So we saw great, a great success in mm-hmm. 2020. And then that bled into 2021. And fast forward now, I have like almost 40 creators and we have a full-time team of six in New York, Boston, and LA. And it's wild. It's wild. That is a, that <laughs> is a journey. That is a story. Yeah. I want to back up a little bit. Yeah. So you said you logged onto LegalZoom. Yeah. And like, what, like, what do you do when you start a business and what does LegalZoom do for you? Yeah. So I should have EB Jess, then they should partner with me. But yeah. like, because the way <laughs> that I'm like, Zoom. I was on Legal Zoom. Yeah. I didn't even know what to do. I think I had talked to Jesse from WIM, who's yeah. a close friend of mine. And I was like, how do you? She's like, well, you could do this or you could do that. Like, you can get attorneys to kind of write up your, but it's just so expensive. I was like, I don't have like that mm-hmm. much money. And I saw that you could incorporate. And then from there, you could start a bank account yeah. and then and then get an accountant. Like, I was kind of just like, so it was like little steps that yeah, you took yeah, to yeah. achieve a bigger goal. Yeah. So on LegalZoom, you can essentially file a LLC or an S-Corp or whatever, or C-Corp yeah. or whatever it is that you want. And then you they send you all the papers. You get an EIN. With the EIN, you can open a bank account. Um, and an EIN is like the social security number for your business, like yep. for taxes and all that stuff. Yeah. And then they also had like a legal offering where like, for like an additional fee that would support you with legal. So what I would do is like every contract I would get, be like, hey, can I set up a call with the legal team? Oh, and cool. got to a place where like every single contract I was having them co-review it with me. And then by after a year, I was like, all right, I got it. I can do these yeah. contracts like in my sleep. The contracts piece was a beast because like that's my biggest piece is making sure our creators are you know, protected. But I'm also not an attorney, but I felt like I went through law school in that year because all I was doing was red lines and yeah. reviewing agreements and limitation of liability and clauses and termination and all this stuff. And yeah, it was just a great experience just to like understand that because then once I hired someone, I, I knew, okay, this is what I need. When you were consulting, can we take it back to mm-hmm. how you said that you wanted to provide value to these creators? So when you were first starting out with these creators, like how were you selling yourself as your consulting business? Yeah. So I was essentially just telling them like, listen, I work on, I've been working in this space for almost 10 years because even though agency was like probably four before that I was in talent and casting and like it was just a different world but similar like you're still negotiating talent deals it was very like I'm just doing this I want to help you out do you need help and they were like yeah sure like you could probably do better than what I'm doing for myself were you just looking at these girls like on your Instagram like how did you find these girls then most of them came through referral so I had one creator one of my old colleagues from UEG was like hey this girl I just worked with her on this campaign she needs help she came in way low. They don't really know what they should be charging. I think you could help her. And I was like, sure, like I'll help her out. 
And so I started there. And then I think like a couple reached out to me on LinkedIn, which I'm, which is so weird because that doesn't even happen to me anymore. But it's like when there's a purpose for you, it doesn't even matter how it ha- mm-hmm. like it's just doors open. It's just yeah, yeah, things just happen. And so I was like, all right. And so they just ended up finding me and then through referral, like she recommended me to someone and someone else recommended me. And my first six, I think actually two of them came from outreach once I quit, but like my first four were like referral based. And then from there, everyone else, most of them, the roster that I have now, about 90% of them have been referral. Wow. Mm. Ali, I feel like that's kind of how you started your business is through referrals. Yeah, super similar. And even to this day, we don't do like tons of outbound outreach to talent. Like it's very Mm -hmm. much like an inbound referral process, which we're going to start outbounding more. But yeah, Yeah. it's it's lucky. I mean, it's just like a testament to doing good work, right? Yeah. Yeah. For those first clients. So did you charge them like a 15% management fee or what was kind of the setup there? Yeah. So I didn't know what to charge because I was like... Should I do 10? Should I do 15? I'm not an agent. I know agents usually do 10. Managing companies usually do 20. I was like, maybe I'll do 15 because I'm still figuring this out. But then I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be doing this on the side, I'm going to be exhausted. So I need to make sure that I'm like worth worth it. Worth it. So I was like, let me just do 20 and see what happens. And I was like, sure. I was like, oh. Great. Cool. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I think 20% is a good fee, especially if like a talent, you're like growing a talent and you're yeah. providing tons of value. Like if a talent comes to you, that's like already super established. That's where we're like, okay, 15 is like, it makes sense, but mm-hmm. it makes a big difference at the end of the yeah. day, that 5% like take home. Yeah. So I also think on the creator side too, it's growing their business, like you said. So there are opportunities that they wouldn't have been involved in, yeah. which is worth that commission alone. Like yeah. you say it like the best alley when the pie grows bigger like a lot more people take a piece but it's yeah. a bigger pie yeah mm-hmm. and also like we do obviously all of their contracting all of like they have we have an attorney that we work with that does all of our red lines we handle all of the finance we do strategy calls quarterly we do monthly calls as needed we like do a ton of pitching like we we don't like waiting for deals to come in so we pitch like four to 600 a month. Oh, wow. So yeah, brands, we do a lot. agencies, everyone. Yeah. And how do you find like people to pitch? Do you go on LinkedIn? Like what type of titles are you looking for? Like who are the people that like spend the money in the space? Yeah. So what we'll do is like just search on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and YouTube shorts more now because YouTube is like not really happening a ton, but, and just see who's partnering that we're not partnering with, mm, right? Like different and, brands. Yeah. Like who are they working and with? And then we'll go on, we have like our interns that help us with research. And so they'll go on LinkedIn, see who works. Influencer marketing, typically partnerships, anything with influencer marketing or partnerships. In the usually. title. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll, we have a website that we use to help find contacts or we'll just Google email formats. Like if we have mm. a format from a previous campaign, we'll just like plug and play. Yeah. It's a lot of like, just gotta like, Talent managers are the best. Yeah, FBI, it's just like just figure it out. Best <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an entire folder in my phone camera roll of screenshots dedicated to like campaigns that people are doing. It's like, okay, I'm going to reach out to them. Mm, yeah. I know that they're doing a paid campaign. So yeah. that's definitely a great tip. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it is research and just like seeing who's spending the money. And then also just like building the relationships that we already have. So like we work with a lot of the same agencies. Like I work with UEG and Star Power all the time. Like they're- So do we. Yeah. Yeah, All the time. And so it's like, anytime I go to New York, let's do a round of agency meetings. Like for New York Fashion Week, we just did a mixer and we invited all of our creators and all of the brands and agencies that we work with. And it was like this really great, successful event where they could actually see the talent, meet the talent, meet us. And it was just so nice. 
And I think what I took away from that the most was that like, we just love working with you guys. And I was like, yeah, because I worked on your side. So I know you just want someone to communicate and respond to your email. Like you just want someone that will negotiate a deal. Like we've worked with, when I was at UEG Star Power, I used to work with agencies that I was like, I will never work with you again. Who are they? You can't say, you can't say. I think I know. I think we know. I think we know. Well, I think too, it's like, you need to be nice in this industry too. Some people are absolutely so nasty. And I'm like, how are you representing a talent and acting that way? Yeah. Because it's a reflection of their team. Yeah. And then I'm like, does a talent know? Like I used to, I remember I was closing deals when I was at UE, was it UEG? No, it was, I was Star Power and I was working on the Bobby Brown account. And I remember we had casted a ton of beauty creators and there was just one really big beauty and her management team or her lawyer or whoever was there was just a nightmare mm-hmm. and I was like do, she, do you know that like I was like I wonder if the talent knows that their representatives are like unpleasant I didn't ever want to like ruffle any feathers I was like I just won't ever work with you again you get blacklisted and that's the thing that influencers don't understand is like a, if your management is not representing you well, like yeah. they're not responsive or they're like nasty via communication, or if you don't get things turned in on time, like mm-hmm. you get blacklisted from these brands and agencies, which means like deals and they're are off a the small table. team. Yeah. Like you would be surprised at like a star power UEG account like Bobby Brown. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone no, talks. We were like a small crew, a hundred percent. We were like in a pod at UEG, and we were like, let's never work with this agency unless we have to. Unless the brand is like, <laughs> I hope we're not on that list. No, no, no. You guys have always been pleasant, which is why I'm here. I'm like, I love you guys. <laughs> She's but like, we've had, to tell us. No, but we've had that experience. And I was just, and even to this day, I'm just like. There's no, to your point, this industry is so small. Yeah. Why be rude or short or mm-hmm. like hard to work with? Like you're just ruining it for yourself and for your client. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to do that. People just want to do business with people that are easy and fun and like can communicate and can just get the job done. And, and just it's professional passing. at yeah. the end of the day. Just yeah. be professional, everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's just get the job done because we yeah. all have the same goal. And I agree with you. And this can apply to any career. It will turn around. Your network, mm-hmm. trust me, it's smaller than you think, and you will see that person again. So yeah. you have to remember how you treat people for yeah. sure. Yeah. And even at the mixer, I remember saying like, yeah, I was at this, you know, when I was at UEG, I would never work with this agency. They're like, oh yeah, we can't stand them. I'm like, oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Like it all, we all are feeling the same yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's just like, word gets around fast. So just don't burn bridges, do yeah. good deals, be nice, be nice. Like don't. Like, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would think it's, like, hard. I'm like, why yeah. is it so hard to just be nice? <laughs> this I is know. your reminder to be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have, like, pillars of, like, kind of, like, how we want the team to, like, be and act. And one of them is to be warm. Mm-hmm. Like, warmth is important because I think it is such, like, a cutthroat industry. And everyone is, like, kind of nasty. So yeah. Yeah. if you can be, like, the warm person in the room, it, like, helps with the vibe. So. Yeah something we're working on but I've definitely been nasty in an email or two so well, sometimes guilty. you have to though yeah. like if you're getting pushed into a corner and it's gonna you yeah. know something's gonna ruin potentially a relationship with your client yeah. they are you know there's times where I've had to like do the professional slap yeah you know, that's yeah. a good way to put it professional slap there's a fine line between being professional and being totally just like taken advantage of yeah and I feel like we all balance that line and it is a thin line at the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah but it's necessary mm-hmm if someone listening is wanting to be a talent manager and they're like, oh, like I, you know, I know some friends who do this or I feel like I could, I could be a talent manager. What would be like your first tip or like, how do you start? Yeah, I would say if your full-time job is working in the influencer marketing space, just take everything you've learned and figure out how can you provide value to creators. 
And I'm a huge fan of start your side hustle first. Get your feet wet, see if you like it, see if it's something that you want to do. Because if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then you're going to burn out and you're going to hate it. And then you're going to be like, why did I do this? And also be sure that you, if you want to be a talent manager, there's all, there's a bunch of options. Like I had thought about going to an agency. I remember I was talking to a couple of agencies when I moved to New York and I was like, do I want to go that route? But it's also hard because, you know, you're taking a pay cut because you're making this, you know, probably deep six figure salary at the agency and you're starting off as, as an agent, you don't have a roster, you don't have talent. So they're making, you know, yeah. an investment in you. So sometimes the pay's not there, but like you have to really be in it and really feel passionate about it. So figure out if you want to work at an agency or work at a management company, because, you know, agents for the most part, they help with strategy, but it's a lot of deal closing. That's and for actions. me, and I wanted to build more relationships and have it be more of like a partnership and more involved. Like I'm very close to a lot of our creators, like especially my first couple or they're like, some of them are my best friends mm -hmm. because like they took a risk on me and like we both kind of came up together. Like I've helped a lot of them make their first six figures, which helped me make my first six figures as a business owner. So it's just like a win-win. So I feel like figure out what type of relationship you want with your clients, what type of environment do you want to be in? Do you want to be a self? Like just manage talent by yourself and do your own thing because that's a very different experience than going to a management company or an agency. So just kind of dabble, but I would say dabble into working with talent and whether it's consulting or as like a talent manager on the side, see if you enjoy it. I'm a big thing, like start your side hustle and see if it's something that you want to do full time and then figure out, all right, how many deals do I have to close to be able to like either my life. Yeah, cover yeah. myself or match my salary mm -hmm. or and obviously knowing that it's going to take time because you know net 30 and at 60 sometimes that 90s which are wild yeah wait let's talk about that <laughs> so <laughs> yes there's tons of money like flowing around in this industry but the way it works is that the brand does not pay us the people representing the talent or the talent for net 30 like 30 days after the deal is done to mm -hmm. up to sometimes I've seen like 120 I've days. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've seen that. So you do the deal, you complete it, like you're done, but you don't see money for 120 days. And there's also something going on in this industry where everyone pays so behind and so slow. So slow. Like collecting your money in this industry is hard. It's a job. And a full-time job. Mm-hmm. 100%. And these are brands across the board that are like household names as well. Yes. Yeah. And then everyone has a different system. So it's like just getting onboarded as a vendor is a whole thing. Yeah. And then also, and I remember when I was at UEG, I would get influencers asking me where their payments are. And then I would talk to finance and then finance wouldn't answer me. So I'm here stuck with this influencer mad at me, almost ruining my relationships because the finance team at this company that I'm working for has no idea what's going on because their systems aren't solidified. Because then they're also waiting for payment from the client and they have to make sure that's clear. Like it's just so much. So just... Uh, that's why we're try I try to be understanding too when payments are late. Just give me an answer. Like figure out with finance. Just tell me finance is on it or like the go the the silence just drives me insane. I get so mad at the silence. The silence is such a weird corporate thing. Like why are you silent? Because you know you were, see we this. were talking every single hour of the day when this campaign was yeah, executing, exactly, right? You exactly. were calling my cell phone about a live date. Mm -hmm. We were going through like captions and approvals and now it's time to get paid and it's like crickets. And I think from us, we understand it. You know, like you said, there's a million steps to payment from different parties. Just tell us and communicate yeah. that we're working on it. Yeah. Or just to let me know that you're here, you see this. Yes. I am working on it. Yes. So any yes. brands and agencies, just like let us know and we'll yeah. stop blowing up your inbox. Yeah. <laughs> Gladly. Gladly. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like we have a full accounting team at Be Social. Like yeah. how many people are in it? I don't even know. A lot of people. Yeah. 
And it's such a challenge to get paid on time. Yeah. It's so beyond frustrating. So yeah. something to think about too, like if you are thinking about going out on your own, like having, if you're able to have a cash reserve before mm-hmm. you get going, because yeah. it's not, the cash is not instant. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I had started consulting like a couple months yeah. prior, because then I was getting, once I quit, money was coming in from the deals from two months ago, three months ago. So I was like, all right, this is good. And then I had a savings, but for sure. I think to your point, plan for that because mm-hmm. those terms are wild. And what about like skill sets or things that you should have as a talent manager? Like what are those in your opinion? I would say just be a good listener. And I would say my biggest thing is understand expectations because every creator has a different expectation of their talent manager. Some of them just want you to close deals. They're like, just close deals. I don't need to talk to you maybe once a quarter. It's fine. Sometimes they're like, I need to talk to you every day. I want to feel like I have a friend. I need a therapist. I need a wedding planner. I need like, they need everything. So it's just like understanding what the expectation is. If they've had previous management, what they want from you, what they, if they had previous management, what did they wish they had more of in that relationship? Like just understand that that has been the biggest game changer for us is like understanding what people expect from a management company because every company is different. You know, sometimes talent is better paired off with like a smaller boutique agency. And sometimes talent would prefer the bigger, bigger agencies, or sometimes just someone that just manages talent by themselves. Mm -hmm. Like everyone wants a different experience. So expectations are everything. I think skill sets, like there's so many, I feel like try to pull everything that you're learning from your current job. If you're working at an agency or for a brand or in the marketing space and just think about Cause it's, you have to kind of shift your lens of, you know, what you're looking for as a brand when you're looking at talent and think about what information you think would be valuable for that talent to know. Or if you found a talent like they are great, but I want to cast them for this, but their engagement's slow, their views aren't there. They're not, we don't have link clicks. Cause now we're, we're seeing a lot of like requests for insights. And that's a whole piece of the strategy that we incorporate is making sure that they're linking so that their audience is used to seeing that. So I would say strategy is a big thing, understanding strategy and how you can be an asset to your client, but also just like communication. So key. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like all we really do, right? Is like building relationships, communicating. And also like at the end of the day, I feel like you need to be like a hustler and like a, we're salespeople, right? Like we're making partnerships happen with brands and connecting dots. So it's like, we're basically salespeople. Yeah. Right. Yeah, all those things. Communication, relationship building. Relationships are everything. Yeah. Relationships are everything. Mm -hmm. Even from like, we know we had a mixer a couple weeks ago for New York Fashion Week. And after that, we've been able to like just build that relationship even further where now we're kind of top of mind for casting. So it's just like, think about just building relationships all the time and just like not always making it about business. Some people just like want to feel like, Mm, yeah, can we just be cool and not talk about work, which I'm always down for. So it doesn't always have to be work related, like build relationships and don't make it about just one thing. Like, I just want to have this friendship with you because I want to close a deal. It's like, no, actually you're really cool. I want to like party with you and like, maybe we'll take a trip together, which I think is important is making sure they don't feel like it's just, you're in it for the money. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that's great, but I personally just care about people and I'm interested in people and I think I like building relationships with people. Yeah. And people like feel that from you when I get, you know, a conversation going and people are darting their eyes around the room, not really focused in on what I'm saying. You understand, okay, this is the type of person. Yeah. And when you build your network and when you continue your career, like in this space where it's so people focused, you need to understand that A, communication is everything Mm -hmm. like you guys said, but also being flexible too, because influencers, their lives are essentially their livelihood, posting about their lives and kind of understanding that 
sometimes life gets in the way and you have to be that therapist. You have to be that babysitter sometimes. And you kind of have to be there for your talent on all fronts and wear different hats. What about for talent seeking a manager? Like, I feel like there's been this like influx of people who are now experts in talent management, social growth, like specifically like on TikTok and they've grown these followings. How do you trust that that person is like the right fit for you as a, as a talent manager? And how do you navigate that? I think asking the right questions, if you're a talent looking to work with a manager, asking the right questions. Like we have some calls with new potential talent where they'll ask a hundred questions and we want to make sure that they feel supported. They feel like we have their back. And then we have some that don't really ask any because there's no expectation, but I think it goes back to like, what is the expectation? What do you expect from your talent manager? Do you just want deals closed? Do you want strategy? Do you want to help with growth? Do you just want a friend that can come to you, you know, whenever something's going on because, you know, you're at your house and your husband's driving you crazy and your kids are and just like want someone to <laughs> talk to. Board, yeah. yeah. So I feel like understanding expectations, like what do you expect from your talent manager? Do you need help negotiating rates? Do you want to bring your rates up? Do you like ask the right questions? Like, what do you think about my rates? What do you think about my channel? What do you think about my brand? How can I grow? How can I be competitive? What more can I do? What are some emerging platforms I should look at? Just being really prepared, understanding like what is the support I'm getting, right? Obviously on our end, we do legal, we do all of the accounting, we have a tracker where all of their deals are tracked. We do like end of week recaps, which they love because it's the status of everything that's going on in their Mm. entire business. So it's just like understand how they function, what everyone's role is, where you fit in in that role too, because I think we get a lot of those is like, I just don't want to feel like another person on the roster. How am I different from the talent that you already have? How would you sell me to potential brands? So just be prepared to answer all of those questions Mm -hmm. when you have a call with the talent or as a talent, having a call with the manager. Yeah. And there's so many options now. Like, I feel like there's so many shops popping up. There's so many one-off people doing talent management. It's like a hard decision, I guess, right? Yeah. What are qualities that you look for when you're casting for influencers to add on to your roster? We look through their feed and we just make sure that they're posting in all verticals. Like we had a lot of creators that started in the natural hair space, like a lot of women of color. They just started on YouTube because they're like, I just wanted to be a resource and talk about what worked for me. And so a lot of the strategy with my first couple of clients was getting them out of the natural hair space and into lifestyle and not just beauty as it pertains to hair, but skincare, makeup, body care. Like there's so many categories under the beauty umbrella. So now when we look at creators, we just make sure that they're versatile in their content because just doing hair deals is not going to cut it. You have to be versatile. So we look at verticals. What verticals are they posting in? Categories, obviously, like lifestyle is great, fitness, wellness. Are they on TikTok? TikTok is huge. Obviously, we saw last year, our agency saw a huge increase in TikTok ads. And now even this year, everything has TikTok or TikTok syndication in it. Mm-hmm. So making sure that they're they're on various platforms, that they're posting frequently. Instagram will penalize you if you don't like post. Mm-hmm. For like, if you drop off the face of the earth for a year and come back and you're like, oh, I want to do this. It's going to be very hard to get back into it. So making sure that they're active and consistently posting, posting in stories. We always look at insights too. We get screenshots of insights because thankfully for my agency days, I remember we would vet influencers for fake followers. So we would go to their back end. Now we use Social Blade just to look at the last 30 days, but you can see spikes in follower growth. So if we see anything drastic, we're like, mm, what's going on also here? Also locations that don't make sense where your followers should be. Like if yeah. you're a US-based follower or US-based creator, but you have followers in like 
some other country. Yeah, like, yeah. There's something fishy about this. Yeah. So insights are really important for us. We look at story views, link clicks. Are they converting? Yeah. Do they have like LTK or an Amazon storefront? Mm-hmm. Do they have conversion data? Those are like really, really big things. And then also like we've had calls with creators that are making a lot of money and we just don't vibe. Mm. And we won't work with them. Yeah. Like, it, for, I mean, for me, it's not just about the money. Like, relationship is really important. And we want to feel like we don't dread who we're going to, you know, have to have this call. Oh, my God. Like, there's nothing yeah. worse than that. That is such a good thought, right? Like, it's such a close working relationship, talent manager and talent. And it's like, if that person is not cool, it's awful. It's yeah. doing everyone a disservice yeah. if, you know. Money is one thing, as you said, but it's also really about your relationship. You're so interpersonalized mm-hmm. together yeah. mm-hmm. that it's hard to work with someone that you don't like in this space. Yeah. And there's so much work that goes into what we do. And there's nothing worse than working with someone that's like, you know, why aren't deals coming in? I'm like, we just signed you yesterday. Can you like give us like a second? <laughs> like set expectations, I think is also really important if you're yeah. on board talent. Yeah, a few it's, times and it is like, it's so important. Yeah. It is true. It's so important because a week later they'll be like, why have we closed deals? I'm like, we just literally finished your one sheet. Can you just give me a second? But yeah, I would say relationships and just working with people that are nice. Nice all across, not just like brands and agencies, but talent too. So do you feel like, Anyone could kind of just be a talent manager if they like have the hustle behind them. Yeah, but whether you're going to be a good one or not, like I've seen talent managers that have roster of people who have a ton of following and they can't close deals. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you're a talent manager, but you're not really bringing in value to your clients. Your clients aren't really making money. You know, like, yeah, it's There's like, some special you can, ingredients in there that yeah, you, yeah. you kind of just need Especially to. Especially in order to retain your clients yeah. long term. Like, you can keep those clients for a minute. Mm-hmm. But if you don't provide value, as you said, then they're probably going to jump to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also a lot of, like, jumping ship in this industry, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to go to that agency because they're, like, new and shiny or they're mm-hmm. really big and, like, blah, blah, blah. Which I think is, like, does a disservice for the talent, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Like, yeah. I think that... I guess it goes back to like making sure you really make the right decision initially because like having a trial with someone for three to six months with the like thought in the back of your head of, well, I'll move if like, don't like this, like make the decision right initially because Mm -hmm. jumping around, I think is, it's just not good for like the marketplace and brands understanding like where you're at and what agency reps you and all those things. So yeah, I I mean, trials are great though. Like, and that is something you can ask as a talent. Like we've had people ask us that like, Hey, can we like try working with you for three months to see if we vibe? Mm -hmm. We don't like to do that because Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of effort and time and resource to like Mm -hmm. put in the energy to a talent for three months. And then at the end of that, be like, "Mm, sorry, this isn't working. Yeah. But I feel like in most cases, like if the talent's not happy, usually the manager's not happy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes like both ways. Yeah, we do implement, we do three-month trials with our talent because I think it does take a lot of resources, but I think we want to date before we get married, technically. And like, you know, we do have like obviously termination clauses that we can, if it doesn't work out. But I always love to do that three-month trial because they also feel more comfortable trying it out and then we can feel like whether we do want to continue. Because, you know, sometimes they can finagle things on those calls and you're like, you don't really see who they really are. And then, <laughs> the true colors yeah, then a month or two and you're like, whoa, whoa. Like, whoa Catfished me. Whoa, yeah. What are we doing? You gotta I was try like, before well, you buy. we have our 90 yeah. day. Like, Oof. love, you know, great. Thanks for, you know, this is just not a fit or whatever the case yeah. is. And it's also, I think that's another thing is like, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I think understanding like, 
that was really hard for me at first when I had my first talent like leave. I was like, oh my god, I'm such a failure. I saw. Yeah, cool. I did that too. Oh my gosh. Like yeah, because yeah, we're. So, I'm such a perfectionist too. Who it's like. And I kill myself for the things that I do and the people that I work for, I, I do. And so that was really, really hard. And so I think it's like understanding that it's fine if it doesn't work out. That yeah. person's not meant for you. And it's also probably better off because you don't want to work with someone that doesn't want to be with you. Exactly. A hundred percent. I was like the same. I'd be like so sensitive about it in yeah. the early days. Now I'm like, whatever. It's like, hard not to take onward. it personal. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to take it personal. It's like, yeah. it's so personal. You know, our job is so, there's so yeah. much time and effort that goes in the work And there's other do. people out there for you that yeah. want to work with you and you can build together and build a business together. And it's like, just like a relationship. It's like, that yeah. person doesn't want to be with you, then yeah. That goes for both ways to your manager to influencer, but also like influencers to managers. If it doesn't work out, there is yeah. an entire plethora of mm-hmm. options that you can take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There really is. Well, this was amazing. I feel like I want to be a talent manager now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, we should say it's a very stressful industry and it is yeah. very hard work. I think it's one of the most stressful industries, like PR, communications, yeah. all of that. Oh, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Long hours. But I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I love what I do. I think Same. it is such you a have fun to love what you do. Yeah. job yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. working with so many talent and businesses and brands and like, just no day is the same and it really is fun. But this yeah. was great. Hopefully people listening can be like, okay, I want to be a talent manager. Or they're like, yeah, no, that's yeah. not for me. <laughs> I'm invigorated to yeah. get back to my job after this. <laughs> um, where can people follow you? At Pamela Sabata on Instagram and LinkedIn, first and last name, and Society18 on Instagram and Society18.com if you want to see our roster or just check us out. Amazing. I love it. Thank mm-hmm. you. This was great. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Bye. Bye. Bye.